And welcome everyone to the 11th episode of This Week in IU Football. I'm your host, Michael Dugan, and I am joined by Brian Tonsoni and Brian Tonsoni only this week. We had some a couple of scheduling conflicts that got in the way throughout the week between Brian, Cameron, and I, so it'll be Brian and I cutting it up this week talking about his visit to the Twin Cities to watch whatever game that was, and we're going to preview this weekend against Maryland first. Brian, we'll talk about football in a second, but I have to get your full stadium review of TCF Bank Stadium. How was it? Uh, Michael, TCF Stadium is an absolute uh, must in the Big Ten. It was it was a beautiful stadium. Uh, it was a Friday night, and it was misty, rainy, and cold, so I'm not sure that I saw the full picture of the stadium. And But it was, it was well-constructed. The concourses were wide. Uh, the view, we, we had seats uh, about halfway up in the upper deck, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't too high, and it was right on about the 20-yard line. Uh, beautiful seats. We actually, it was raining so hard, we stood underneath the upper deck uh, in the lower level for the second half of the game. But it was, it was neat. The campus was beautiful. Uh, we, we did a little pre-gaming at a local establishment about three blocks away. Had no trouble getting there. And um, just a just a beautiful view um, of the downtown uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul area uh, off of one end. It's it, um, one of the better stadiums that I've been to. And a pretty good little city in Minneapolis too, yeah. Yes, uh, really uh, some some good things. You know, we were kind of in and out and didn't get to go to a lot of hot spots. But um, my cousin lives there and. And he and his wife were at a concert just about seven blocks away from the stadium, and we Ubered over from their house and met afterwards. And uh, and it was, it's just a nice place with with some nice things to do. Of course, we hit up the Mall of Americas, my wife and I, and so um, yeah, it was a, it was a great trip. Everything except the result. I was gonna say it sounds like a pretty good twenty four hours minus maybe sixty minutes or so. Uh, yeah. So let's t- well, really only about fifty five of those minutes because for five minutes the Hoosiers showed life. But let's talk sure. about those sixty minutes as a whole. Um, I-, I know we're a bit removed from that, but I'm sure the outcome stuck with you based off uh, b- based off your your tweets and how you and I have corresponded since then and during that game. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway? And then we'll dive a little deeper from that game on Friday. Um, you know, the, the biggest takeaway is, is this team is extremely inconsistent in its play. And that is disappointing, uh, Michael, in the fact that it's game, it was game nine in year two of a regime against an opponent that Indiana was favored. And, uh, until the last, uh, nine, 10 minutes, it, it looked like there was only, you know, um, one team that was executing well finishing drives and um it it just it just had a a really disappointing feel uh to the game as almost one in in disbelief at the first field goal you felt good went down the field is three nothing and then um you know then all of a sudden minnesota's scoring touchdowns and then you know and it just started going and then the real heartbreaker the disappointment the takeaway was you punt the ball down to the one, and they go on a 99-yard drive, slant after slant after slant after slant, and it's it's 21 to nine going into halftime, and then a bad start, and it's 32 to nine. It's just inconsistent play, um, and you'll get that with young people. I'm trying to get to the point where I understand it because it's young, 
and on the road. But to play that bad for that long in a program that had been to bowls two years in a row and then only won five, and now this happens, it's very disappointing. Yeah, I think disappointing is is an appropriate way to, to phrase that, just given how they lost. And I, I think that you can look into the X's and O's all you want, but plain and simple, at the surface, that's a Minnesota team that was young to begin with and played a quarterback in Tanner Morgan that didn't have a lot of experience at that position and frankly isn't overwhelmingly talented. And it seems as though week in and week out, Throughout the season, this Indiana team has made somebody that fits that mold, not overly talented and not terribly experienced, shine like a star so they're the BTN standout of that game and they get all smiley in the post-game interview. It, that, that's a really concerning trend that, that I think I've noticed as I watched as I watched Tanner and he earned all of that. He, he played really well, but I, I feel like it's a trend that they're making these people turn into household names for the evening that otherwise wouldn't be. And it's remarkably concerning. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to look good in, in the exhibitions, not the exhibition season, but the non-conference season. But since then, Indiana has really not played well. Um, a couple of close games, uh, Michigan State ended up 14. Penn State was close down towards the end. But, um, you know, they were, they just haven't played well, and the two teams in the Big Ten that Indiana should have been better than, uh, Rutgers was way too close, and everyone else is beating Rutgers, and Minnesota took it to us for a majority of the game, and then they proceed to go to Illinois and just get smoked. Um, so, and I know you can't compare week to week. I get that. I'm trying to be positive. Uh, I want them to win this weekend, but I. I'm at a level of disappointment with the Indiana football program that I have not been at in 25 years. And maybe I hope that I'm wrong, and I hope that's unfair, and I hope that a couple of wins will turn that around. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's a, a resounding story every week about making someone the hero or some team the hero or losing in a clutch situation. And, um, you know, you couple that with – all of the words that are should be locker room words in my coaching ideas that are now marketing words like breakthrough and finish. And that really adds to the pressure when you don't break through and you're obviously not finishing games. It's a disappointing time. Yeah, it is. And I, I'll switch to some positivity, but I, I have, I don't <laughs> want to put you on the spot here. Um, but I, I want your opinion is this team going to win another game this year? Um, I could see them not winning another game. Um, the Maryland team will be interesting because they're, you know, boy, they've been holding on to a thread. You have to give Matt Canada a great amount to hold that team together uh, with the unfortunate death of one of their teammates, uh, the investigation and the coaching allowing it back for one day and then not back and some disturbances with uh, between team members. And they really didn't play bad against Michigan state. That's a good team. And, and I think it was 27, three or something like that. And they put up 700 yards against, you know, um, so 
this is a Maryland team that is one win away from being bowl eligible, and they're hungry, and they see Indiana as a win. Um, Purdue is playing really well, and Michigan is Michigan. So, um, yeah, it could be uh, this is um, it could be that Indiana's won their last game. I hope that I that is not a correct statement. Uh, but I think they have to play really well, and, and I don't think that they've played really well for some time. Well, how can they play really well? Because I've, I've asked you this question each week, really since the Ball State game, and how can they play better? What's the next step they can take? How can they improve on what we just saw? And each week you give something pretty similar because we don't really see anything change with exception to the Ohio State game. Now... At the risk of just repeating ourselves, what what can this team... I don't want to ask what this team can do to improve this week because everybody knows at this point. But, I mean, what can this team do this week to put you in a position where the, the thoughts that you've been bottling up for the last two weeks because they've been on a bye, what can they do to put those thoughts to the side for at least another week and say, okay... Maybe they're going to fight and finish this season the right way and give me a little bit of positivity going into the offseason. There's two things. I think the team needs to scheme better. And I'm going to put a lot on Coach Allen and Coach DeBoard because either they're not scheming well or they're not convincing the team to execute those schemes well. And so it's either scheming needs to get better. I want to see a good scheme offensively and defensively. Or... The players have to execute. And youth cannot be – it's a reason why there are mistakes, but it can't be an excuse because we lost to a young Minnesota team playing a quarterback for the first game, and he hit, went for over 300 yards. And slant after slant after slant after slant. Um, you know, I keep going back to the jet sweep of Michigan State. The defense was late getting a call in from the sidelines. And then they, uh, the guys collided and didn't fit the run right. And that was the, the game breaker. Uh, special teams have been poor all year. And it's either execution by the players or it's a scheme and coaching during the week. And that's just honest. And I, and I, I want these guys to do well. It's my alma mater. I, I, I've been a season ticket holder. But you have to be truthful. And good guys sometimes can be struggling coaches. And good players can good humans can be struggling players. It doesn't make these people bad people. Just right now, this is a bad football executing program. And I want to see a complete game. Uh, I don't want to see a massive comeback against Penn State when they're playing prevent defense and then saying that's close and we're good. I don't want to see a frantic comeback against Minnesota when you've given chance after chance after chance away at stops and scores and then have to make a frantic comeback only to get beat on a 67-yard pass. It is either the scheme is not right or the execution's not right. And I think both of those lie in the coaching staff, to be honest. And that's hard for me because I am pro-coach. And I think coaches, I've never met a coach who wants to lose. I've never met a coach who schemes to lose. But it happens sometimes. And when you're four and five and lost that those amounts of games, you know, um, that's that's what I want to see. Better scheme, better execution for 60 minutes. You are a coach, a good coach, a proud coach, and you are a good IU fan, a great IU fan, and a proud IU fan. 
But again, I don't want to hit you with too many loaded questions, so you do not have to answer this if you do not have to. But if this trend continues, have you seen enough from any of the coaches on the coaching staff if this trend continues to finish out the season? Um, for them to continue? Yeah, um, or, or let me let me rephrase that because I realize that was a bit that was a bit vague. Have you seen enough from any of the coaching staff members if this trend continues throughout the season? to know what you're going to get and understand that we're not going to get any better than what we see right now. There's no more improvement to be made. What we're seeing is what we are going to get. I, 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 if the trend continues, I think we have big issues in the coaching situation. Does that mean they need to be replaced in a year or two? No, because replacing coaches is not necessarily the answer. But maybe some offensive coordinators, some special teams, some individual coaches, if they're not – I mean, you see coach, you see defensive coordinators being let go in the middle of the year by some programs, right? Um, so at some point, I appreciate loyalty. I like it. I enjoy it a lot. But the bottom line is results. And if a certain coach in a certain position is not getting things done, that's a tough decision for Coach Allen. I think Coach Allen has done enough to to run the program the right way, Um to, to make inroads in the recruiting. I think kids, to, uh, the guys for the most part buy in. I think Coach Allen's probably doing a lot right, except Saturday afternoons. So that in itself, I think, deserves another year. And again, that's a pro-coach statement. Um, and I really think three to five years is the time you judge a coach. And look at what happened at Kentucky. They're having a great year. They wanted to get rid of Stoops for a while. So sometimes patience the coach in me says patience. The fan in me says, man, this is already old after two years. That's a good response. And I, there have been people calling for Tom Allen, I think, since early October. And I am of the belief that calling for a head coach's head before the end of his second season is remarkably premature. And I don't think it's fair. Sometimes it may turn out to be the right decision, and that may just be by luck because you don't know what's going to happen three weeks down the road, let alone two years. Like Stoops at Kentucky is a phenomenal example. Um, you know, we can rattle off Gene Chiswick at Auburn won a national championship and turned out to be one of the worst coaches in Power Five. Gus Malzahn took Auburn to the national championship, and he's on the hot seat in year one of his new deal. I mean, I could go on and on and on about just coaches in the SEC. Coach O. Um, so it's, it's really tough to judge a coach this early in his tenure. And I, I I'm with you. This is an extremely sticky situation because this program is losing its, its fan base pretty quickly. Uh, and it's, it's scary because if you're Fred Glass and you look up in the stands on Saturday and you don't really see anybody there, you know, how are you going to sell to the fans that this football team is worth watching next season? If the exact same, tree of coaches is on the sidelines it's, it's going to be tough for him if they're not winning football games right it, it, it will and, and here's an example you've been to my tailgate you know how serious i take it with all the crazy setup uh, i'm not going saturday for for one of the first two times in 25 years i'm not going to a home game now i, I do have coaching duties but in the past as an assistant i've always asked to go to the home games because i pay money and i i i host a, a tailgate um but I'm not going to the next two games uh, after driving to Minneapolis and seeing that effort after 20 some years of seeing ups and downs, I'm taking two weekends off. Um, 
and, and I don't think that matters much because I'm not a big donor. Um, but uh, um, that that's the level of disappointment. I'll be in front of my TV at noon. Practice gets over at 1130. I'll be home at noon and I'll be rooting and have my IU gear, IU gear on. And I hope they win that one and one more and go to a bowl. Um, but it, the the way of losing and and the way of the, the, the method of play. I mean, I go back to the Rutgers game. Open offense, 24 points, conservative in a ball game. You know, uh, non-execution at Minnesota, and then we open it up, um, and we wait until the last minutes of games to come back. Uh, things have got it, – it's it's not so much the coach or who it is or the players or who it is. It's just a pattern um, in these two years. And here's the other thing that Fred Glass needs to worry about. The school up north was beat four years in a row by Indiana. And they hire a coach, and they're going to go to a bowl two years in a row, and they have beaten three ranked opponents. That's a breakthrough. That's finishing. That's after an 0-3 start. The team to the South Kentucky is 7-2, and going to a bowl game after having a few years. Um, those, you know, And then the Minnesota team goes down and just gets absolutely annihilated at Illinois. And there, there's it, the optics are bad. And is that fair? Absolutely not. Because Coach Allen can't control that. Um, you know, he can't control who goes to Purdue and how they produce. But man, does for for the casual fan or even the diehard fan, it looks it looks bad. And if if I'm not going on Saturday, who else is not going? If it's going to be in the 30s, and it's on television. Um, you know, I guess my ticket's already paid for, so he's already got that money. But, um, yeah, that's going to be hard for him. But I do think there needs to be patience. And, and as angry and as disappointed as I am, Tom Allen is a quality man um, and doing things the right way. And um, as far as just as a person and the character of the program, we don't have what's going on at Maryland. And, Michael, that's where I probably want to – end up on that coaching discussion is we're not having an investigation. Um, and think, you know, we haven't had the level of, of player news and injury and death and those kind. you know, we haven't had the Michigan state issues. We haven't had the, you know, the Ohio state issue. Um, we haven't had that controversy. And the bottom line is that's probably really good. And we lose track of that sometimes because we've lost four games and we're not playing good football. And that right there, I think Coach Allen deserves it, but some inside changes need to be made um, if he's going to change the program for the better. That, that's a good final point you made there. And part of the head co- the job as head coach, not the whole part of it, not even the majority, because there are a lot of difficult parts that go into being a head coach, but part of the role of the head coach of a football program or a college basketball program is to establish a culture. And the culture that Tom Allen has established is a fantastic one. He is a quality human being that every single player in that locker room looks up to and trusts with their lives. That's why they're here at Indiana to play football. And that's a huge part of it. And that's partially why he's recruiting so well. It's because he's such a great guy and he's easy to root for. He's easy to get behind. And... It, again, this could preach to the argument that you made earlier of it's a process and preaching patience. You look at guys like Jay Wright has created quite the culture at Villanova. I'm not suggesting Tom Allen is going to be the Jay Wright of college football, but it took Jay Wright a little bit to get to where he is right now to the point where he's probably the most respected coach 
in the country. And he loves his guys. He His guys look up to him. And it took a lot of time. Villanova was good, not great for a little bit. And now they're the program. They're the program right now. John Beeline in the Big Ten, it took, he took a little bit of time to get to the national championship in 2013 with some great players. He got back this year with a little less talent, but he's routinely in the conversation because of that culture. There are a lot of coaches that create a culture that success can stem from, and I think Tom Allen shows a lot of those traits and characteristics that are capable of producing success in the long run. It's just going to be difficult if the X's and O's right now are are not really working and not really adding up to tell the fans that have seen this movie for the past 70, 80 years, it's going to work up, it's going to work out, the stars are going to align down the road. It, it's just a tough sell right now. Yeah, and to, to, to Coach Allen's defense, he's battling 20 years of history of, you know, a drop pass against Iowa for the sixth win a backward pass against Minnesota in a late situation, and the fact that we haven't really beaten any ranked opponents. Um, good, solid, quality wins. Um, you know, that's that's what the whole breakthrough thing was supposed to be, and um, that's why I always thought he needed to be careful about his words because if you say it, you better do it, and if you say it and don't do it, you've just added to the pile of complaining. Um you know, that stuff should have been best left in the locker room, not on marketing slogans and and all of those things. And, um, you know, it, the optics just look bad. And the program's probably in a decent direction, but the optics of not going to a bowl um, last year and on the verge of that now this year. Um, and so that leaves me in a quandary. You know, I, I don't know what to think. And, you know, like I said before, I'm a coach and a fan. The fan of me is sometimes ridiculously um, silly or re- stupid or whatever and overreacting. And the coach in me sometimes is over, is not being truthful enough on whether someone can coach or not. So that's a weird balance for, for me um, to evaluate a coaching staff. But things have got to get better because it's about results. Um, and uh, I think he'll go into next year. If it's not a bowl this year, he's going to have to go in with some real, real, real heavy uh, expectations in the hot seat. Yeah, it's it's tough for him too with all the injuries he's battled, and you know he he doesn't really have a lot of assets to work with right now in terms of depth and and quarterback play and running backs and and, and stuff like that. But with assuming Michael Penix comes back healthy next year and Samson James and. He's going to have assets next year, and I think next year we're going to really find out what this coaching staff is made of. And if if we find out they're they're worth the paycheck, they'll finish off the year, and Indiana will probably go to a bowl. But I think if October comes around and we're learning nothing and we, we've seen all we're going to see, I'm not so sure that Tom Allen's going to walk off the field the last week of the season. It's on, it's It stinks. Uh, but I just think to have your finger on the pulse of the program right now, you can only feel a lot of restlessness and impatience. But let's transition to this week before we get out of here. This is a Maryland team that is all over the place. Ty Johnson, their running back, is elusive as can be. Kasim Hill, their quarterback, is quick on his feet. Usually two things you do not want to hear for an opponent if to describe an opponent if you're an Indiana fan. Uh, but this Maryland team is extremely beatable. Their defense is it has a lot of holes in it, 
and Kasim Hill's not that great of a passer. I would argue that this Maryland team is pretty one-dimensional. What's your scouting report on the Terps? What does Indiana have to do to get a win here? Well, I think they have to play better defense, and I think it's going to come down to run fits because I think Maryland is one-dimensional. That doesn't mean they can't hit an occasional pass down the field, um, some play action, some things like that, but they want to run the ball. And we, Indiana, has to be able to dominate the line defensively. Uh, I think that's the key. Offensively, we've said it over and over again, throw the ball down the field and do some things like that. We'll, we'll see if that's earlier than a desperation call in the fourth quarter. Um, and I guess they did throughout the game and didn't complete some. That, that's a true statement as well. You know, we always remember the ones that were completed, not the ones that were incomplete. Um, but... I think this one's going to come down to defense because if you can stop Maryland, I think you beat them. Uh, If not, they can put up, you know, 30, 40 points. And then that puts off pressure on your offense, which we have seen um, has struggled at times to put points on the board consistently finishing drives in the red zone and and, and that. And I think going back to the Iowa game was poor defensively. Penn state was a little bit better defensively. Minnesota game was not a good defensive effort, uh, in my opinion. So the, the defense has to arise in order to, um, to be in a position to win on Saturday. And what about offensively? Because I, I know we've been calling for pretty much the same thing all season if this offense wants to improve, but is there anything else that you can add? And if not, that's totally understandable uh, to, to what could awaken this offense for the last three weeks of the season. You know, to, to some extent, Michael, you can say Indiana drove the ball well three times and settled for three field goals. Um, and Minnesota went down three times and had touchdowns. And that's the difference. It's just executing at a key moment in the game. And then, but the final stats show that Minnesota was so much better than Indiana. And part of that was when you get a turnover at the 30 and you got touchdown drives of only 30 and 35 yards. That fourth quarter comeback was not full drives. So the total yardage might not be a good indicator. Um, but it goes back to my first comment, inconsistency. And, and, and you can't be a good sports team, football, basketball, if your play is inconsistent within the game. You can't be good if it's inconsistent, good one week, bad the next week. But Indiana is inconsistent within games. From drive to drive, you don't know what's going to happen. And... Um, so there's got to be some way, and I, again, I'm more basketball than football coach, but to, to not score when you're in plus territory three times is, is just a recipe for We score one time and the game's over, uh, and, and, and you win. And, and, and the difference, you know, I, I just know from a fact when a team's not executing, there's many things that can happen. So I, I don't know if it's more passing, more running, a play call here or there. I'd have to analyze film to see what they're calling on first down when they get inside the 30, if they're passing and getting behind the sticks or whatever. That's where I tend to think it's scheme. Um, Because if you miss three times in a row in the red zone, that's got to be play calling. Or it's just bad luck that the players choose to have a bad series right when it gets down to clutch time. So um, if I pick something offensively, it's score touchdowns, not field goals. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an easier way to climb up. But, sorry, continue. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's much bigger than that. You know, it's much more, you know, um, 
play calling and, and your execution run block and, and, and those types of things. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of at a loss offensively on com, you know, commenting on what they need to do. It's at times they looked really outstanding. And then other times they just looked flat out lost. And, and um, so that's just got it's just got to get cleaned up. It's perplexing because it's not because of a lack of youth and, it's been pretty yeah. much the same running back all season, Stevie Scott. It's been the same quarterback all all season in Peyton Ramsey. It's been the same receivers. They've Timian and Fillier have been dinged up a little bit, but same tight ends, same receivers generally, and just it's there's no fluidity anywhere, and it's got to get cleaned up. Uh, you're exactly right. But Brian, I will let you go. Thanks so much for staying a little extra this week. Uh, no where, problem. Where can people find your stuff? Where can they follow you? Follow me personally at Sony42. Um, we have uh, Sports Talk with Tonsoni podcast on your favorite hosting site, uh, sportstalkwithtonsoni.com. Our students, uh, that's my personal website, but we have some students and people writing articles. And now that it's basketball season, DelphiBracketology.com revamped website and at Delphi Brackets on Twitter. Uh, we're going to update and have podcasts and everything, everything about NCAA basketball bracket information. Find us on a variety of places. We appreciate uh, you uh, asking me to be on the podcast, Michael. It's always good to talk to you. And I'll miss seeing you Saturday uh, at the tailgate. Uh, but we'll get together soon. We certainly will. It is basketball season. And your first bracket is out, is it not? A preseason bracket, which is uh, just like almost throwing darts <laughs> uh, with a little bit of information. Um, because the selection committee really is about wins and losses. So once they start piling in, we'll be a little more accurate. And where do you have Indiana, just out of curiosity? I believe I saw a seven, is that correct, or a it's six? It's a six seed, six seed. And we had them between five and six and settled on a six, along with Purdue at, at, at a six as well, preseason. That's top 25. At, you know, you're, uh, so we believe Indiana's a top 25 team. I think they certainly could be uh, uh, come, come January, February. But uh, that's a conversation for later on, Brian. we got a football <laughs> season to finish here. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and we will talk soon. Okay. Thanks, Michael. All right, folks. Well, that does it for this week's episode of This Week in IU Football. Big thanks to Brian Tonsoni and Cameron Drummond for bringing their great insight and opinions. As always, be sure to follow me on Twitter at M underscore Dugan 44. Ask me any questions, any observations you may have about what's going on this week in IU Football. I'll talk to you next week.